As a young teen, Mary became a follower of Jesus after reading Focus on the Family's Brio magazine. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't have that. I'd really like to know what that's about. And so it was, it was an inward decision right there that I made in my room after reading you know, this article in the Brio magazine that I want to have that kind of walk with God that this girl is talking about. For 30 years, we've helped Mary grow in her faith. We've strengthened her marriage, and now we're equipping her to be a good mom to her own kids. Like, really Focus on the Family has been, and all the, the different resources and individuals, the voices of Focus on the Family, it's really been a mentor to me, to my family, um, and just it's cool to see the legacy. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can save more families like Mary's every month. Please call 800-A-FAMILY or donate at focusonthefamily.com family. Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. Imagine being happily married for a number of years and experiencing all the joys and challenges of a busy family, and then you suddenly learn that your marriage is over. That's the dramatic story we're going to hear today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Uh, John, one of our foundational principles here at Focus is about the permanence of marriage. We believe marriage is a sacred covenant designed by God that not only benefits a husband and wife, but also benefits society as a whole. Certainly the data supports that. The Bible is very clear in Matthew 19, where it says, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What God has joined together, let no man separate. And we believe that, and we know that God loves marriage. It's his institution. That's why we work so hard to rescue and support hurting couples through programs like this one, our counseling team, and all the resources we provide for families. But we also live in a world that's broken by sin, where some marriages self-destruct because one or both spouses walk away from their commitment and aren't willing to save the relationship. It is a tragedy when it happens because the damage often extends to their children, their friends, and other relatives. And if you've experienced that, we grieve for you, and uh, we're here for you as well. Focus on the Family has a terrific counseling team, as Jim mentioned, and other tools designed to provide healing and godly encouragement for you in the coming days. Uh, We're a phone call away. Our number is 800, the letter A, and the word family, 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And John, today we're going to hear uh, one woman's story of going through a separation and divorce that she never wanted. And as a result, she became a single mom to five children. Sounds a lot like what my mom went through. But what's remarkable about Susan Birdsey is the powerful presence of God's grace and joy in her life. Uh, despite the horrible circumstances that she experienced. It's astounding how God has worked through her and her family, and I can't wait for everyone to hear her story. And we'll mention that this interview was recorded a number of years ago, and here's how you began the conversation, Jim, with Susan Birdsey on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Susan, you have written a book, and it's called When Happily Ever After Shatters. Uh, That's a powerful title. 
Um, you're also, as I said, a blogger. Let me read to you a journal entry that you made, and uh, that will start the conversation. You wrote, what are all the emotions I feel in the midst of this disaster? Disbelief seems to be the predominant one. The others are anger-based, mostly because of the effects of this situation on my children. Frustration at not being able to fix things. Some fear mixed with anxiety and an ample amount of worry. Uh, what were the circumstances that you were writing about at that time? Um, I'd been married about 17 years uh, and uh, my husband had gone out uh, a Saturday morning. We had a house full of children, some friends. Uh, my kids had all their friends over. And he had gone out to go to a dry cleaner, which literally was at the top of our street, and he was gone two and a half hours. So when he got back, I asked, where have you been? You've been gone a really long time. And it, uh, he said, I think I'm going to leave. Just like and that? That was I it. Mean, just out of the blue. Completely out of the blue. And mm. um, I was just floored by it and um disbelief was the predominant thing absolutely yeah. couldn't believe it and i had no inkling that we had any issues right very i mean we had a chaotic joyful household five kids yeah. we'll do that to you and um so it definitely was completely out of the blue for me in that regard, not really knowing that we had some problems, but I can look back and see uh, flirtatious circumstances mm. um and I did address that with him several times, you know, just like, could you not be so flirtatious with other women when I'm around? And, you know, probably should have said ever, right, right, <laughs> knowing right. what was going on sure. at the time. Hmm. But you definitely can look back over all the years and see things. I read some journal entries from when we were first married um, where I had some, you know, um, gut feelings that were uncomfortable. But I think, you know, I, I chose not to go down that road. And I'm thankful. I'm very thankful that I was, you know, blissfully unaware uh, because I was happily married and, mm. and I don't regret the marriage at all. Mm. Um, you know, I, I did love my husband very much. And when you when you and that, you know, that is the way it should be. The uh, and I, I just want to say we know divorce occurs and mm. there are many people listening that perhaps have gone through it. Uh, they may be separated right now, not knowing what to do. And we recognize your circumstance if that's where you're at. Mm -hmm. Take us back uh, then to those days. So he's come out with this. He was gone a long time, mm -hmm. comes back from picking up dry cleaning almost three hours later mm -hmm. and says to you, I, I want to end this in essence. What happened over the next few days? Uh, well, I asked if there was somebody else, and he said no. You know, he said, I just, I'm just not happy. And so I really put it into high gear uh, just trying to be the perfect wife, you know. So you and felt you could compensate. I thought I could yeah. do whatever mm -hmm. it takes. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna convince him to stay. That would be a natural reaction. Mm -hmm. You're trying to fix it. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I did everything I could think of. I was probably a little too thick in it, you know, <laughs> trying yeah. to love on him. And um, but over the next three days, uh, I could feel him pulling back more mm -hmm. and more. His, he. For lack of a better phrase, he seemed guiltier and guiltier. Mm. And um, so after about three or four days, I said, you need to be honest with me and tell me what's really going on. And he said, well, I'm interested in somebody else. And I said, well, is it, um, is it serious? And he said, no, it's just an acquaintance. And I said, well, could you not see her anymore and focus on you know, getting our marriage back? Could we do whatever needs to be done? And um, he was not willing to do that. Mm. And um, the next day... I addressed it again, and I said, could you tell me a little bit more? And um, 
we sort of did it in a, it seemed like in increments. He shared that it was somebody he knew and they were good friends and they were doing things together. And, um, but it was not romantic. And then the next day at my daughter's field hockey game, while we were standing on the sidelines, he shared the details of it, that it was a physical relationship. And that was probably, of all the times, the most devastating for me. Mm. Uh, because it, it was a rather nebulous thing up to that point. Right. You know, kind of, he just wasn't happy. Right. And that maybe I could do something to make him happy. And, you know, that he was interested, but maybe I could get his attention back to me. Uh, let me mention your relationship with the Lord at this point. We have a lot of different people listening, some mm-hmm. Christian and committed to the Lord, some not Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your and your husband's spiritual journey at this point? Where are you at? You're going to church? You're not mm-hmm. going to church? My husband was actually an elder in our church and a Sunday school teacher, care group leader, administrator of the Sunday school program, mm. uh, leader in our community. And um, so very involved. I was in the women's ministry, a Bible study leader, worship team leader. Mm. And um, so, yeah, we were definitely all enmeshed in that um, life. And I, th- I would say at that time, God was so gracious to me because I was in a really good place with him. Mm. Um, it's like he had girded me up before that happened. Um, hey, looking back on that, because again, I'm sure there's some women listening right now that may not have that relationship. Mm-hmm and have heard the words from their husband, I'm leaving you, what would you suggest to them if they're not as close to the Lord? Well, for me, it was imperative. I don't think I could have survived the way I did. Um, I think he gave me so much grace to deal with it. And it sounds a little bit trite to say this, but it's so true, is just laying it all out before the Lord. I mean, being very honest with him, uh, that, that first year after my husband left, my relationship with the Lord was so strong. Um, and I, he absolutely was the source of all my strength. Mm. I had nothing mm. physically, mentally, emotionally. It was just a mess. The second year, my prayer life consisted pretty much of me just going, seriously? That really was it. I, you mm. know, so not only really angry, but a little bit kind of, of like, God, really, this is your plan for my life? Uh, and what I would say to women who are not in, in walking with the Lord at this point or, or not really solid in that walk is that you can be totally honest with him mm. and just say, I have no idea why you would allow this to happen in my life. You know, what? how could this possibly be your plan, especially for your kids? Sometimes you can somehow or another, wrap your brain around it for yourself mm. and kind of have a vision, mm. okay, God's going to take this and make me into the woman I'm. he wants me to be. I'll be stronger and, you know, I'll know him better. But for your children, just watching them walk through that, you that's where it's very difficult to kind of yeah. trust See them. Oh, that yeah. God has a good plan. I want to talk about the impact uh, with the kids. But before I do, what you're suggesting there is a root of bitterness, it sounds like. And you've got to be careful that that root does not take hold of your heart. How did you manage nipping that before it could grab you? I see there were a couple Mm. things. I was very heavily in the Word um, just because I knew there really wasn't any other answer for me. And I think, you know, you can go to television and books and to kind of distract you from what's going on, but I really wanted hope. Uh, Let's turn to the kids. You're a a loving mother. Um, You're going through this. I can't imagine. um, You've got a lot of emotion going on. You have five kids in the home at that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, When did they become aware of it? How did they become aware of it? And what impact did that have on them? When uh, it first began, when my husband first shared that he wanted to leave, uh, I did not, the children did not know anything. Um, 
I'm sure they had inklings because there were, you know, we had a lot of hushed conversations and I was very emotional. Uh, I did not want them to know because my hope was that we would be reconciled and I didn't want my children to know what their father had done if I could avoid that. If you went through it again, would you handle it the same way? Yes. Okay, good. Absolutely. we, it was sort of taken out of our hands in some regards because my husband was a public figure. Uh, so when he did finally decide to leave, it did become public knowledge and a lot of people knew and I knew my kids were going to know. Mm-hmm. I told him he had to tell our children the next day. Well, that was good to put it on him. Mm-hmm. And so that's how they found out. Their father told them in a very unemotional, stoic sort of way. He did not show any emotion. He did not touch them. and Didn't uh, hug them. Oh. He... We're sitting on the sofas in our uh, family room, and my oldest at the time was 14. My youngest was not quite two. And um, so the little girls, they were, you know, one and two. They didn't have any idea what was going on. I mean, I'm sure on some level they did. Um, My 14-year-old, my daughter was 11, and my son was eight. Mm -hmm. And um, he said it, and my oldest son is the quintessential firstborn. He's just a wonderful young man. and Very uh, responsible. Very responsible, <laughs> respectful, just all-around great guy. Um, he put his head in the crook of his elbow and just put his head down and didn't say anything. My daughter and my son, the 11- and 8-year-old, just completely fell apart, bursting into tears and mm. weeping and wailing. And they were, you know, please don't leave Daddy. And my, I think my little boy said something about us being poor and living on the street or some, you know, uh, just instantly went yeah. an interesting place for a, yeah. an eight-year-old. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of gathered them all in my arms, and he went up to pack and get some more clothes to leave. So in essence, he left you with the rubble of their emotions. Mm-hmm. They did kind of follow him around. My eight-year-old followed him around with his Bible, my husband's oh. Bible, and my daughter wrote him a letter asking him to stay. And my oldest son stayed in his room. He didn't come out. Mm-hmm. And that night we left to go to my parents' house. My eldest stepped kind of into that man of the house mode, went and made sure all the doors were locked. Uh-huh. And, and that's been a struggle to make sure he doesn't become an adult mm-hmm. too early because right. he's such a responsible firstborn. So it was a natural tendency for him to do that. Uh-huh. So um, I don't know. I think you have to decide in your family, how much you want your children to know of the circumstances of your divorce. I know some families where the uh, the spouse that was left has chosen not to say that the yeah. the uh, adulterer was an adulterer. Right. Um, and I, I think you just have to decide what you feel is best for your children and for them, what knowledge is too much yeah. and what's okay. It's interesting when you when you deal with adversity, whatever it might be. It might be the loss of a spouse by death and not necessarily adultery. But in every adversity, if you can turn toward the Lord Mm -hmm. and face it with him and let him um, teach you how to get through it through reading the word and seeing how David and so many biblical characters dealt with adversity, Mm -hmm. it's an amazing journey then, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Yes. Yes, (laughs) it is. It's a... awesome to see how he takes such difficult circumstances and does yeah. beautiful things with them. And, and, and that's a challenge, which I've tried to work with my children on, is to see that they're, that God can use all of this difficult stuff and turn it into something beautiful, and that he does have a plan in the midst of all of it. And mm. There was this right kind of in the, just in the down and dirty time of the 
going through the separation and the divorce, uh, we had a guest preacher at our church, and he was talking about the Israelites at the Red Sea. And he was sharing about how the uh, water parted actually from the other shore. It says an east wind. So it parted from the other shore towards them, kind of not like we think with the, right in front of their with feet. the Ten Commandments movie, you know, yeah. where it goes. So it came the opposite but direction. But it came to them. Interesting. And um, I, after church, I was like, guys, do you know how cool that is? That God is already working a plan to get us through all this difficult stuff and he's bringing it to us. Like, we don't have to go get it. It's coming toward us. It's coming to us and how beautiful that is that God does that. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Do you feel called to serve God in your career? Check out some of the exciting job opportunities we have at Focus on the Family. We're looking to fill positions in marketing, IT, and marriage counseling. Work with other talented believers. Enjoy a meaningful, Christ-centered work environment. And use the skills God gave you to encourage others and help families thrive. To learn more, visit FocusOnTheFamily.com slash careers. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash careers. Man, I knew my marriage was falling apart. I just didn't know how to fix it. I felt like I would always be alone, even if I stayed married. At Focus on the Family's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, we offer hope to couples in crisis so they can have the marriage they've always dreamed of. For the first time, I felt like my husband truly heard me. I've received some great tools from the counselors that have changed my life and my marriage. To begin the journey of finding health, go to HopeRestored.com today. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. We'll continue now with the balance of our programming. Uh, Susan, one thing that I noticed, because my mom and dad divorced when I was five, and, you know, those are memories from long ago, but I think the way that I coped with it, and you have a youngster about Mm -hmm. that same age, Mm -hmm. um, was to wall off, um, not to think it's such a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a big deal. But emotionally, a coping mechanism for a child is just to not let it go so deep mm-hmm. so it doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not necessarily healthy, is it? Because you're not really feeling uh, underneath the superficial reality of that. Mm-hmm. Have you experienced that with your kids? Yes. I particularly, my daughter is very much, very emotional that very first day when he said, extremely emotional, but from that day on, she has shown very little shut emotion. Down. Mm-hmm. Huh. Absolutely shut down. And I see it uh, go into other areas of her life as well. Just, uh, you know, she is very uh, unexcitable. <laughs> you yeah, know, she's, she's just, just a very low key kind of person now. Um, and unaffected, that's probably a better word, unaffected hmm. by what goes on. And her, she'll say the same thing if I ask her about her father or anything that's going on in her life. It's not that big a deal. Now, was she that way before? No. I know she wasn't. No. But she's she's funny, though. Uh, We we did the Passport to Purity weekend. And on the way back, I said, baby, do you want to talk about anything with your dad and what's going on with our family? And she's like, nah. She's like, I'll just wait till I'm older and have a bunch of relationship issues. I was like, oh. I mean, we yeah. laughed, but part of me was like, oh, uh, you don't no, want that please to don't be even say that. Yeah. <laughs> but that I think she recognizes that it is a big deal. But I think, again, it's a coping mechanism. She just doesn't really know what to do with it. And uh, they do all deal with it differently. And, and as a parent walking through that, as a single parent as well, walking your children through this, and each one is dealing with it differently. Each one has different needs, needs to be encouraged in a different way. It is absolutely overwhelming. And you're coming at it from a place of, 
not having a whole lot to give because you're walking through it as well, having all those needs and things. So that's you know where the Lord's strength is the answer to that. Mm. Well, and the thing you have to to continue to imbibe into your children is the fact that even though it didn't work, marriage is still a biblical uh, theme. It's something God wants for us as yes. adults. Um, not in all cases. Mm-hmm. Singleness is a part of biblical truth. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you still have to educate your kids a- around this problem. Have you found that challenging to lift up marriage with your kids in the midst of tragedy? No. I don't think so because I'm sold on it too. Mm. So I, I didn't ever come to the point where, you know, I hate men. I don't want to ever be around another man ever. Right. I have my heart's desires. I loved being married. I love being a wife. And I talk with my, particularly my daughter, you know, that it's a beautiful calling uh, if God calls you to that. And um, and I think we have a little different circumstance maybe than some people that we didn't have a marriage that we were fighting all the time. There wasn't yeah. a whole lot of angst in our marriage. So our, my children saw a relatively good marriage. So they have that vision. Mm. Um, You know, we were all kind of blindsided, my kids included. You know, um, I have had talked with youngsters who have gone through what my kids have gone through who said, well, it was easier when my parents separated and divorced because they were always fighting all the time. My kids didn't have that. So in some ways I've had it a little easier because I can say, well, Daddy and I were happily married. And I try and bring up happy stories from the past with them remind them of fun. You know, it's not taboo to talk about daddy. This is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and we just heard uh, part of a conversation recorded a number of years ago with Susan Birdsey about the heartbreaking revelation that her seemingly happy marriage was over, and she was facing an unwanted divorce. And on top of that, She became a single mom of five children. John, I hope our listeners will join us next time for the conclusion of Susan's incredible story, because although her circumstances didn't get any easier, she clung to the Lord and relied upon godly friends in her church community to endure the days ahead. And eventually, she even found a place in her heart to forgive her husband. But today, we want to share a quick update from Susan about how she and her children have managed over the past 13 years since her divorce. And here's what she shared with us. I discovered that for myself, it's really easy to trust God with those big, giant things. And it is really hard with the little things. And being a single parent, there are so many things you deal with, Um, so many decisions to make on your own, so many burdens to carry alone. And... As a single mom, I know like house repairs and car, you know, just all those little nitty gritty things after a while, it can just feel so overwhelming. And like, I know God cares about all those things, but sometimes it's like, could all the appliances please work for more than a minute? You know, that, <laughs> that kind of thing. So just learning to trust God has been a challenge, honestly. Um, sometimes people think that, well, gosh, you've been a single parent for ever so many years, you should, you know, it should be easier by now. It's like, "Mm, no, (laughs) it's parenting. It doesn't get easier. It just gets different. Um, So it's really interesting to see with five, you definitely see like a different response to the situation in each one of them. One of my children tends to be more of a peacemaker um, and, you know, will do everything uh, he can to us, you know, kind of make everything smooth and easy for everybody, including, including his dad. One of mine is very, very angry and, doesn't want to talk, but is constantly pursuing his faith. But I think his relationship with God is definitely impacted by that because that dad figure left 
Uh, so he has a little bit of trust issues with God. So we talk a lot about that. And what I see with my daughters particularly is a lack of value. They don't see themselves as valuable and worthy of being loved well. Um, and it's heartbreaking. And what I can do is pray for my daughters that God will just continually pour into them, that he loves them and that he is there for them and he values them just as they are. So, um, but we've all, we've all struggled and um, wrestled with some different things with our faith. I think we're all stronger for it. And the kids and I have a really strong relationship with one another and have great conversations about God and who he is and how to trust him when things just don't make sense. And when things aren't kind of going the way you want them to go, I think we all, we often talk about like that dad in Mark nine, where he's like, I believe help my unbelief, you know, like, is God going to step in and and help with the different things that we're dealing with? And I think that at some point, um, the kids and I have also talked a lot about like stopping, we stopped asking why things happened and why our family is like this and why there are so many challenges and struggles and kind of like, how God, how do you want us to walk forward? How do we do this? Well, how do we live where you've called us to be and be content with that life and be okay with things not going the way you know, in your mind's eye, you want it to go where you thought it would go, or by now it should be easier. Um, so I, I think that's that's one of the things. I think we've all wrestled and, and grown stronger for it. You know, John, I really admire Susan's courage as a single mom and her commitment to the Lord, trying to help her kids retain their faith and see value in themselves and believe that God's got a greater purpose for their lives, even with all that you know, destruction going on. But we also need to acknowledge that one of the greatest tragedies in our culture today is the devastation of divorce. Far too many husbands or wives are walking away from their commitments and families and shattering their own lives and the lives of their children. Divorce is never easy or good, and it has terrible consequences. And frankly, it's a violation of God's plan. And if you're saying, man, he's really heaping on the guilt, I want to because I want couples to rethink it if they're on that borderline of thinking of divorce. We know there are exceptions in the Bible for abuse and infidelity, and we know that we live in a sinful and broken world where bad things happen, often out of our control, and I get that. But here at Focus, we're doing all we can to rescue couples who are hurting and who maybe think they have no other choice but to walk away. That's why we have our counseling team and our Hope Restored Intensives, which is a counseling effort. It goes for several days, typically four days. And our goal is to give you godly hope for your marriage and along with the tools that you need to rebuild your family. We're going to urge you to contact us here to ask about these resources. Uh, Focus on the Family is here. We're uh, wanting to help you in any way we can. And our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. 800-232-6459. And online, you'll find us at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And if you're in a good place right now with your marriage, uh, let me invite you to do ministry through Focus. And this program, Hope Restored, has an incredible success rate. Over 80% of the couples that come two years later 
are doing better and still married. I can't think of a better program in the whole country, John. If you want to get on board with Hope Restored, I hope someday we can be putting five to 7,000 couples a year through that program. And then we're going to put a dent in the Christian divorce rate. So be a part of it. Send a gift to Focus on the Family today and earmark it for Hope Restored. And we will put those dollars to work to save more marriages. Donate as you can. Join the support team. And when you make a gift of any amount, either a monthly pledge or a one-time gift, we'll send a copy of Susan Birdsey's book, When Happily Ever After Shatters, Seeing God in the Midst of Divorce and Single Parenthood. And again, our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast to donate. Coming up next time, more of Susan Birdsey's powerful story about learning how to avoid bitterness and regret and to embrace the power of forgiveness. I'm John Fuller, and on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today. Plan to be with us next time as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. My daughter and my son, the 11 and 8-year-old, just completely fell apart, bursting into tears and weeping and wailing. And they were, you know, please don't leave daddy. And my, I think my little boy said something about us being poor and living on the street or some, you uh, know, just instantly went yeah. an interesting place for a, yeah. an eight-year-old. Um, so I just kind of gathered them all in my arms and he went up to pack and get some more clothes to leave. So in essence, he left you with the rubble of their emotions. Mm-hmm. That's Susan Birdsey, a single mom of five kids, describing the day her marriage ended unexpectedly and she was facing an unwanted divorce. We're returning to Susan's story today on Focus on the Family, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller. John, last time we shared a powerful conversation that we recorded with Susan, and I was personally touched by her vulnerability and candor about the hardships she and her children have faced as the result of her husband's infidelity. Think of that, that one bad decision and the ripple effect of it. Susan is living with the tragic fallout of divorce, and she's one of uh, too many unwilling victims in our culture today who have been abandoned by a spouse who walked away from their family and ignored God's plan for marriage. So it's up to us in the Christian community to reach out with compassion, forgiveness, grace to these broken families and help them in any way we can. Thankfully, Susan had a church family that supported her, and I would urge you to find opportunities to serve such families through your church as well. And that's why we're addressing this difficult but important topic again today so that we can all be more aware and sensitive to the struggles that families of divorce are facing. If you missed the program last time, get the CD or download from us uh, or get the Focus Broadcast app so you can listen at your convenience. And we mentioned last time that Susan has captured her story in a book called When Happily Ever After Shatters, Seeing God in the Midst of Divorce and Single Parenthood. We have copies of that here for you. Call 800, the letter A, and the word family to learn more, or visit focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And now, Jim, here's how you began part two of the conversation with Susan Birdsey on today's Focus on the Family. 
Susan, let me just say it's great to have you back here. Thank you so much. It's very good to be back. I just love your spirit. You you have a bright smile. Um, I can only imagine the days that you had tears in your pillow and how lonely that must have felt uh, when your husband said to you, I'm leaving. Uh, we talked last time about how that came out of the blue. Uh, he simply went to pick up the dry cleaning and was gone a long time and came back and, and hit you with that. Your kids were playing in the background. You had to gather you know, your senses you had to find out what was going on, and over the course of a few days, it unfolded as he defended and then eventually was forthright with what was happening, an affair with another woman. And uh, then you had to deal with the kids, and he told your kids, as we just heard in that clip, the way in which he did it. He told your kids what was happening. You said something that really, ah, I mean, it really gripped my heart when you said he didn't touch them, he didn't. I mean, it brings tears to my eyes that a dad in that moment wouldn't know the damage he was doing hmm. to put his arm around his little daughter and hug her and say, I love you, but we're just not able to stay together. That had to have such an impact on your kids. Huge, definitely huge impact. Okay, we got to reset a little bit. With your ex-husband, mm -hmm. the emotions that you were feeling, we talked last time about bitterness and how that root of bitterness, it really is the differentiator. You can call yourself a Christian, but if you go through trials and tribulations and you come out with great bitterness, you've got to question your walk with the Lord because that's not the heart of a believer, mm -hmm. even when bad things happen to you. Talk to us about how you dealt with that. There are many men and women that have been wounded in their marriages. Talk to us about how you dealt with that specifically. Sure. It is a huge, huge issue because it, it will infiltrate all areas of your life. You're parenting to your children. It's, it's impossible to hide bitterness. It just seeps into everything if you allow it to. I think there are some steps. I, I, I definitely um, knew God was the source of my strength. And uh, Did it ever I've feel ever... false to you, like it wasn't real, but you were saying it anyway? Absolutely. Mm. There definitely are times when... You know, you're just walking by faith, you know, and, and there were times where I had to be like, it's not about what I'm feeling. It's about what I know. It's about what I know. I know who God is. I know his character. I know I can trust him. I'm totally not feeling it right now. You know, I, I, and so many times because there are just these mountains and valleys of this, you know, days where you feel like I know in coping with it for myself, there would be days when I I felt uh, so sorrowful. And I just wanted to fix it, and I would do anything to fix it. And then there were days I was so angry. Mm. I just wanted to you know, just pound something and run away. And, and you just the range of emotions is profound, what, yeah. what you're dealing with. But God is just this steady. I, I used to say um, I, was, I felt like I was in this rocky, tumultuous water uh, all the time, but that there was this steady stream of peace underneath me, like my feet were in it. You could Foundationally, feel I was in it, ah. but the rest of me was like, blah, you know, just a complete mess. <laughs> but I knew that God, I knew God was going to get me through it. It's just hard to get through it. Ah. He brought me through, you know, I, I knew I had to deal with anger. I think a, I would say a big thing with the anger issue is to recognize it as a valid emotion. Yeah. You have some serious mm. righteous indignation in there. Um, you also have some, you know, I'm going to hunt you down and well, I probably shouldn't say what I, yeah, I mean, but it's, it's honest to have those feelings Absolutely. and those yeah. thoughts. Yeah. You just want to do very bad things. Uh, and I, my 
chapter about anger is slashing tires and other thoughts to take captive because you do, you kind of go that route. I'm just going to go slash all those tires and, you know, whatever. Uh, but I knew I had to take control of those emotions because I knew what that would do um, to my family. If I was angry, my children would be angry. Mm-hmm. I just I, I did not want to raise angry, bitter children. And right. I think for me, that was a very strong motivation. And you have to for model me. it for, so they can I, see it. I have to Kids in that it. situation, they're not going to listen to your words because mm-hmm. words will be all over the place. They're going to watch your actions mm-hmm. and they're going to determine your honesty through your actions mm-hmm. and through what they see in you. Yes. And it's a constant battle. It's a conscious battle too mm-hmm. to do that anger, bitterness yeah. thing. And you I would say the one thing is not to allow yourself to be to make sure that your friends are people who are who don't want to jump into that pit of anger with you because your friends feel it so deeply mm-hmm. when they're walking you through this. And sometimes I think they almost take on more of that anger because they want to go out there and set it straight. Set it straight for you. And I knew I had to make sure my friends, the friends I surrounded myself that I sought counsel from, were people that were going to hold me to a higher standard mm-hmm. and say, I know you're feeling that. Let's not go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wrote about giving your husband an ultimatum. You, you tried for a few days and maybe a weeks to weeks. think it through and to do and to prove to him that we have a chance. Let's try. Mm-hmm. But then you realize that you didn't think there was hope and you gave your husband the ultimatum, me or her. That takes a lot of courage. And a lot of women uh, will shrink back from that because they don't want to hear the answer that they may hear. Uh, How did you find the wisdom to make that statement to your husband, to give him that ultimatum? Uh, If you could describe that for us. And in looking back on it, do you think that was healthy? Mm -hmm. I sought counsel, my pastor, a marriage counselor, uh, friends that I really trust people that had gone through difficult circumstances who I knew were prayer warriors who were, you know, just truly godly counsel uh, what to do. Because I think some, even in the Christian community, you get people that are like, kick them to the curb. You know, as soon as you find out, just, he doesn't deserve you. Just, you know, and I was like, no, I, I, that, that's not what I feel called to. I, I made a covenant with this man. And until God tells me, no, I'm going to stay. And uh, so I, I really prayed about it. What was happening, I, it had been weeks. I was trying to convince him to stay. I noticed uh, that his behavior was not changing for the better. Mm. And he was pulling away from our children. He was increasingly distant. Which was his and, protection method because mm-hmm. he didn't want to face reality and mm-hmm. really fess up to everything sure. that had gone on. Wouldn't set any boundaries on the relationship with the mistress. It just seemed like it was time. And I I would say what helped me, I had a friend that said, you know, at no point is it hopeless. And I knew that my saying choose to him was not my saying leave. I wasn't asking him to leave. I wasn't asking him for a divorce. I was saying choose. I'm holding you accountable for your actions. And there are consequences for what you're doing. And the consequences are you have to choose. Now, when you said that, um, how was your stability emotionally and what were you expecting to hear? And were you prepared for that answer? Yes, I was. Uh, I had farmed all my kids out, and I had been praying. And God was so gracious to give me verses about standing strong and Him mm-hmm. being my foundation and not shaking. It was just really interesting, the verses He brought me to. And I was just praying, God, if this is not what you want me to do, will you please make it abundantly clear when He walks through that door? Just give me a sense of what I, where I need to go with this. Well, he was late, and I suspected that he had been running with her. Um, 
And he didn't notice that our kids weren't there. You have six children. You know, that is almost inconceivable. That would be be immediately apparent when you walk through a door. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And uh, he was very demanding and very rude, which had not been my husband prior Mm. to all of this happening. Not that type of person. Mm. And uh, he's like, well, I'm going to go take a shower and and kind of have dinner on the table when I come back. I was like, wow, okay, well, I guess God just... (laughs) That's confirmation. He came down, and he ate dinner, and I sat across from him. And when he finished, I said, I need to talk to you. And I had prepared a settlement agreement. Uh, It's a property settlement agreement. I think it's what it's called. The marriage counselor had said, if you're going to give your husband an ultimatum, you have to have something that he signs that says he's going to take care of you. Because as soon as he sets his foot outside of the door, any sense of guilt he has is going to diminish as each day mm-hmm. passes. And he will no longer want to take care of you all. I had it on the table with me. Um, he said, okay, what do, you want? what do you want to talk about? And I said, I want you to decide tonight if you're going to stay with the children and me or you're going with her. I said, if you're going to go, I need you to sign this. And he instantly reached across the table and pulled it to him. And at that moment, I knew. Yeah, no he was hesitation. Leaving. Uh, And when he left, he said, he packed up some more things, and he said, well, I'm going to go sleep at the office. Um, It was very emotional, and uh, I had friends that were waiting. Uh, I had three couples from church that were kind of up at the Starbucks near my house, and as soon as he drove away, they drove up and were there for me. You've mentioned that support group several Mm -hmm. times. How vital is that? Imperative. Godly support, people who are going to encourage you in your faith, Mm. who are not going to encourage you to be angry or bitter or malicious. Mm. It's very easy to go down that road. Um, Yeah, absolutely. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. I'm here asking people what happens when you turn 70 and a half. You get free ice cream for life? Uh, you get more senior discounts? When you turn 70 and a half, you are eligible for an IRA charitable rollover, and you can give that to Focus on the Family. You can find out more at FocusPlannedGiving.com. Reduce your taxable income and help families thrive for generations to come. It's a gift that appreciates, and we appreciate you for giving it. You know that situation your family's facing? It's okay to ask for professional help. Focus on the Family's Christian Counselors Network can confidentially point you to a trusted therapist near you. We've been connecting families to verified Christian counselors for more than 40 years. Find a way forward for your family at focusonthefamily.com slash get help. That's focusonthefamily.com slash get help. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Susan, after the discussion and you slide or he grabs the separation agreement and quickly wants to sign it, uh, there's a whole new process in place now. Now you're moving from kind of an emotional environment to almost like a business environment where you're going to separate your assets now. You're headed to court. The judge is going to throw the gavel down. It's going to be done. Uh, Through that process, uh, in your book, it indicates that your husband is not the one willing to do this, yet he's created the environment that the ultimatum needs to be put to him. Uh, Talk about from that point forward what was happening in your relationship. Well, what I didn't realize that the property settlement agreement, when you file it, 
becomes a legally binding document that begins the divorce proceedings in my state. I didn't realize that. Uh, you, you're, there's so much going on, and it's very difficult to <laughs> keep track of everything. Well, nobody um, typically is an expert in this yes, when it happens. Yes. Uh, I did have a very good friend who did become my attorney, a Christian woman, uh, who wanted reconciliation almost as much as I did, which was a huge, huge blessing for me. Um, and I was, if you can envision it, that person with my heels dug in, like, I don't, I don't want a divorce. I don't want a divorce. I don't want a divorce. I don't want to do this. I don't know if this is what God wants me to do. I know. And I knew it was that biblically I was okay, you know, because Jesus makes provisions for that with adultery. My church was supportive of whatever I wanted to do. They were very much walking me through it. And um, she kept saying to me, it's never too late. It's never too late. She's like, even if you're divorced, you can get remarried. Mm. She just kept giving me that perspective that you, for me, in my circumstances, in order to protect my children and myself financially and to make sure that we were cared for, uh, we had to file at that point. And that's a, a lot of the women and men I have spoken to going through this. It, that is such a quandary as a Christian because you don't want to do this. Yeah, you're trying to take the high road and hope. You, absolutely. You don't want to play this game. I don't want to play the divorce game. It's difficult. It's time-consuming. It's painful. You have to keep track of things. Oh, it was just a nightmare. And and divorce, I always say to people, divorce is not a solution. It is another problem on top of a problem. Mm. It doesn't make anything better. It's just a whole other set of problems. But having that perspective that this was just a way to protect my children and myself. It was a legally binding document, yes, but it didn't mean the, that I was giving up hope. It just meant I, I wanted to make sure the children and I were taken care of. Mm. You know, five kids is a lot right. no, <laughs> to take true. care of. Um, and, and that's what it did. And God totally protected me through that process. And um, I did not give up hope. And I think in, in a way, the guilt there, again, of the offender, in this case, your husband, mm-hmm. um, they may want to hang on to the fact, well, I didn't file. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the one that asked for yes. this. But in essence, they were yes. emotionally mm-hmm. and in every, every other way. Uh, but it gives them a small out for their conscience, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I know, uh, you know, divorce is a very difficult topic because n- nobody really knows how to walk through it. You know, we, we each have our individual journeys that we're doing that. And I think seeking godly counsel, um, your pastor, uh, a Christian marriage counselor, right. and making those decisions for yourself. And, yeah. you know, God will guide you through it. And it's just like any painful thing in our lives. We walk through it. God is faithful. Um, what have you found in your own emotions, perhaps in friends, both male and female, who have had to struggle through uh, what I could have done better to mm-hmm. hold on to this marriage? I think as women, we tend to look at ourselves not necessarily uh, as a wife, but as a woman. What could I have done better? What's, what's wrong with me? as a woman. Whereas a man, it's very much about his role. What could I have done better? How could I have performed better? I hesitate to say that it's performance for a man and personality for a woman, but maybe... It has that nuance to it. More personal for a woman, more performance for a man. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. a better way to say it. Um, And I think uh, what has helped me with that, because I don't think you want to revisit the past and beat yourself up over your failures or perceived failures in your marriage because there is no excuse for adultery regardless of what was going on there is no excuse mm. and i uh, our marriage was good on all fronts i would say you know and i think if you talk with marriage counselors often they'll say it really and my the counselor we went to said to me many times it wasn't about you 
It right. wasn't about what you could have done, what right. you couldn't have done, what you did do, what you didn't do. It's not about that. It's about him. It's about him and God. And somebody that I knew um, that had gone through this and they were restored, the offender shared with me, he said, you know, you give up God first, then you give up your wife, and then you give up your kids. Mm. He said, you don't give up your wife first. You give up God. And the vacuum that you have in your heart that you're trying to fill with that physical relationship or the emotional relationship or whatever this inappropriate relationship is, is to replace God. Uh-huh. So I, I think it's it's important not to beat ourselves up mm. um, and try and figure out what went wrong. I think you have to come to the place where you go, God, what do you want to make of me through this? And how are you going to bring me through this? Make me into the woman you want me to be. And it's a hard process. And there are t- there are definitely some judgmental feelings you sense towards you. Um, you can feel like you have this scarlet letter D all over you, d- mm. divorced. I own that box now on those forms. I have to, I have to click divorced mm. on there. It's very painful. It's very hard, you know, very difficult, challenging, painful circumstances. And to come on this other side and you have this new label that you don't really want to have. Um, and I think one of the things that really has helped me is to recognize that that's not my identity. It's my marital status. And my identity is in Christ. And it's learning to define myself as a single woman and not as a married woman, as a single mom, um, and all those things, and to see the blessing in it, to see that God can work through these unexpected, difficult circumstances and still make something beautiful out of it. I mean, single parenting, oh, I do not recommend it. It is very hard. Uh, But I've seen God do amazing things. I have blessings every day I can focus on. It's that, it's where my focus is. Is my focus going to be on, I went through this really awful circumstance. Is that going to define me? Or is the person I became because of that going to be what I define myself by? And and let me give a little uh, definition to that. You can meet people that have been divorced 10 years and they're still railing. Mm -hmm. Uh, They haven't moved on from that spot. Mm-hmm. And that's unhealthy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's the forgiveness thing. If I forgive, if I allow God to enable me to forgive, if I make the decision, I made, I kind of had to go through a process. I had to make the decision to forgive. That's not necessarily forgiving. That's saying, I'm going to, I'm going to try and do this. It. I'm going to ask God to help me through it. And then I'm going to act on that. I'm going to act like I have forgiven you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to treat you respectfully and kindly and graciously. I don't feel it. I'm going to treat you that way. And And in doing that, it takes the power of that circumstance, that situation, that offense away. I have the right to be angry, but I don't exercise that right. Were you describing a a continuum there? Was there a point that you can remember where it all fell together and you felt that you were forgiving him? Mm -hmm. Did you remember? Do you remember the day that, boom, it really feels like it's in my heart now? Yes. And I wrote him a letter that day and told him I had forgiven him. It's a funny thing to be divorced um, and you know he's remarried, um, so I couldn't really call him and go, "Hey, let's meet for coffee. I want to tell you something." Because right. he's a married man. Right. It's yeah. the weirdest thing, you know. It's like I can't go have coffee with my husband because he's anyway. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> it's I, just I... this odd place. So I wrote him a letter, um, and I told him I had forgiven him. I said, "I know I will still struggle with anger towards you because of the repercussions on our children, but as far as your relationship with me, I forgive you." And I'm moving forward, and I'm going to try and always treat you respectfully. And I wish the best for you, and I'm praying for that God will do amazing things in your life. And um, God was so gracious because a couple hours later, he t- uh, my ex-husband texted me, just said, thank you, wow. which 
for me was huge because I didn't think he would even acknowledge right. it. But that was a little step, I thought, you know, for him to say that to me. That was, mm. a, you know, a glimmer well, of the man I knew. Yeah, I mean, you're v- being very kind, but I mean, it, it shows more about your graciousness. Well, it's a hard else. fight. It was hard fight. It's yeah. not an easy thing. And you don't decide and just forgive. Yeah. It is a process. And it is a continual at sometimes, you know, I think you forgive the offense. But there is just like with anything, you're going to have to continually forgive. You know. Well, and let me ask you this, uh, which is attached to that, um, looking ahead, and I hope mm-hmm. this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at your little girl. Mm-hmm. And maybe she's fast forward. She's 18 now. Mm-hmm. And she's had a bad experience on a date or something. And she comes home and it flares up about the loss of her father in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be a temptation to get angry because mm-hmm. of the residual effect on your kids from your husband's decision. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about that? Yes. <laughs> yes, I have. I do think that's going to be a struggle. I mean, in all honesty, I don't. I don't know, apart from God mm. just helping me do that, mm. how how to do that. I, I mean, I there are circumstances uh, with my ex-husband where he does not see or will not see that this affects our children. Oh. He will not see that. He will not admit that he has abandoned his children, will not admit that, and uh, feels like he is a very good father and uh, that the kids are fine. I don't think he can go there. And, you know, part of that is, uh, I mean, sometimes it's laughable, the things he'll say. Um, and I just have to be a duck and right. <laughs> let it slide off my back because right. I can't do anything about it. And apart from the most powerful thing I can do, which is pray for my kids yeah. and, um, you know, pray that God will take this and turn it around and make them stronger, more compassionate, mm-hmm. um, faithful individuals because they have been through this. I mean, that's, <laughs> Susan, you are hitting it uh, so straightforward. And I, again, I so appreciate your vulnerability. Susan Birds, the author of the book, When Happily Ever After Shatters. Um, this has been so helpful. And I know many, many people, both men and women, uh, will be helped with the comments that you've made. Thank you for being with us oh, here pleasure. at Focus. Thank you so much. What a great conversation with our guest, uh, Jim, over these past couple of days. And I really appreciated how you concluded offering a message of hope. That's right, John. We have hope even in the midst of suffering and painful circumstances because we believe in a God who heals and redeems every situation. Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things, not some things, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's the good news message for every one of us. And I know God's got a purpose for Susan and her children in the days and years ahead. I hope our listeners have been inspired and challenged by Susan's story to trust God in all things, both on the good days and the not so good days of our lives. But I also want to invite you to join us here, Focus, uh, to work on divorce prevention, helping hurting couples who may feel like they've lost hope for the future of their relationship. What these folks need is godly encouragement for reconciliation and the restoration of their marriage. And with your financial support, we can work together to connect them with one of our caring Christian counselors or uh, get involved and sign up for our Hope Restored Intensives where we provide counseling over several days to couples who are in desperate need. And the good news is that that program is so effective. Uh, We've seen tremendous results through our Hope Restored efforts. That's right. 
four out of five couples who go through Hope Restored are reporting back to us two years later. We do a survey, and they're still together and thriving. And you can be part of that restoration process. That's 80%, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a phenomenal program. Join our marriage ministry team here with your gift of any amount to focus on the family today. A monthly pledge or one-time gift. In return, we'll send you a copy of Susan Birdsey's book, When Happily Ever After Shatters. And it may be that you know someone who could benefit from reading and interacting with Susan's amazing story. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. Or you can donate online at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back next time as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.